everyone welcome to the two marines dad podcast and episode one today not coincidentally is also the marine corps 245th birthday and the day john and i decided to launch our podcast how do we get here well i suppose like most folks um they do this they're told by a bunch of friends you guys should do a podcast uh you know people enjoyed listening to us the things we had to say Sometimes it was just to make fun of us, but do each their own. Uh, this wasn't something that was an easy decision for John and I to come to. Um, we've honestly been talking about it for years, and we didn't do it out of laziness or putting it off. It, it's uh, it's one of those things that the action itself is pretty easy, but putting yourself out there like this is not a decision we made lightly. Um, so before we get any farther, my name's Tyler, and this is no, John. John. Uh, we're two guys that have somewhat of a parallel life, but, uh, very different in their own respects. We both came from pretty poor homes. Um, we joined the Marines, went through college, uh, shared the corporate grind for a couple of years and have families. Um, so to start off, I want to thank everybody who's watching the podcast and supporting us. Uh, you know, we're doing this for you all. So if you're not liking it, we're not doing our job. Um, it's going to be a learning process for both John and I, we're both new to this. Um, and we're excited to have you guys here with us as we go through it. Absolutely. So today, um, I guess, John, we, we're going to talk mostly, mostly about the Marine Corps, you know, just cause it's the 245th birthday. Um, unfortunately, most of the guys they're stuck with COVID, which sucks because they're not having birthday balls, which is something every Marine looks forward to every year. Um, oh yeah. I mean, some of my best memories were the ball. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, talk about uh, unit cohesion. Um, you got to blur the line between officers and enlisted there, uh, buy each other drinks, challenge each other with coins. Um, well, especially time, in the, you know, especially in the air wing, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. You know, a lot of history. We had the cutting of the cake you had, you know, with the oldest Marine and the youngest Marine. Um, our unit did with a sword, we would get, I don't know, an NCO sword or something like this yeah. and cut the first piece of cake out. It was kind of a big deal. Um, guest speakers a whole bit. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how many of my buddies met their ex-wives there. <laughs> Half. <laughs> or future. I guess you could say everybody's met their future ex-wife. <laughs> future ex-wife. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, fondest was... memory I had Go ahead. It was, you know, it was funny because it was one of, I was never big on formal events, but for some reason the ball was always like, yeah, let's put on our blues, get, go, go to the barber and get the, the straight razor haircut. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, whoever you were ended up to, you know, the last couple of years it was Jess, but you know, I, I took some girlfriends before Jess to the ball and it was, they always got dolled up and wore skimpy underwear and it was a great night afterwards, but <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. Shocker that you, you bring sex into something and it gives you good memories. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the um, I, I think one of the fonder memories I have on my, my buddy Sam, him and I, uh, well, all of us got together and uh, his wife had a headache that night. And uh, he's like, I got to go. And we got the great, great idea. We were just going to call her and let her know that he was drunk and he was going to stay with us in the barracks. That's how that was going to work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So we called her and we told her this, you know, within 20 minutes, she was there to pick him up. Yeah, there's no way. There was no way. She was like, you were coming home to your son and you were coming home now. We did. Uh, I, I, it wasn't our last. I'm I don't think it was the last Marine Corps ball, but it was uh, it was up in New York, you know, and it's it's fucking cold in New York this time of year, usually. And um, after the ball at the hotel, we would all go to the bar Um go to the bar. It was just down the street a little ways. I guess it was kind of a walk, but we, we were down there drinking and Jess, Jess got super drunk. Just, I was super drunk too, but she, she didn't like her shoes were hurting her. So she took her shoes off and we start walking back and she's got her, then she puts her shoes back on and then she's crying cause her feet are hurting. And then she takes her shoes off and she's walking on frozen concrete with no shoes oh. So she's, I mean, we get into the, we get to the hotel and I've literally carrying her. She's bawling her eyes out 
every and we're coming to the hotel and there's a bunch of marines in there just kind of hanging out and they see me coming in with jess looks like i beat her or something at least that was the looks everybody <laughs> gave us just because her feet hurt <laughs> <Do your wife. laughs> no i've been there and done that uh my ex-wife she had a um talking about that she had an allergic reaction to the coating on an ibuprofen oh and uh her eyes swelled shut and her lip became this big and i was like i've got to carry you to the hospital as a marine and be like no no no, i didn't hit her <laughs> this isn't like, like i want to take you to get fixed but um i don't <laughs> that's not one of those times you joke with the doctor i had to tell her twice <laughs> she didn't do the dishes. Yeah. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. It's the. Uh, no. I. I. I missed the. I missed the. The balls. You know. Marine Corps ball. It was a lot of fun. The. Uh, oh. You know, kind of one of the other things that kind of piqued my. You know, I, I kind of stay out of the Marine Corps news. Um. I. I look at it, but I don't get too wrapped up into up into it because. <clears throat> you know, I'm not in the middle. Of, I'm not in the Marine Corps anymore, man. I'm not affected by the decisions. Um, I don't understand a lot of the inside stuff. I think about when I was in and you'd hear a lot of people talk about the things they were doing or whatever, and it was this, that, or bad. And most of the time they just didn't even understand what was going on. So I, I kind of stay out of it, the politics of the Marine Corps, if you will. But the, this whole thing with Paris Island supposedly maybe getting shut down. And I know there's a lot of bluster and it's political grandstanding, but the, I, I guess it's a real, a real possibility, man. Um, and I was reading through an article. Um, it was talking about, it was a couple of generals, several who had actually been ones that were in charge of Paris Island or were in some part of the command structure. Um, and I think they put it real succinctly, really well when they talked about, you know, talking about what the real issues were with this process of integrating Paris Island um, and versus what everybody's yelling about. What's, you know, what's, what's sexy to talk about and get clicks on the internet and things. Um you know, I, I guess everybody can have their own yeah. thoughts on integration. Um, you don't necessarily have to agree and be and one side be wrong or right, especially because none of us are going to make the decision. You know, personally, I think integrated training is a horrible fucking idea. Just a distraction. You know, it, there's enough shit that you're focused on and you're worried about when you're at boot camp and you're trying to get through the training that you don't need to mix girls into it. I mean, I, I don't know how women see dudes, but fuck, every time we got even a slight hint that there was women near us it was a distraction yeah it was and, that, and that's yeah. a paris island where you, you know you train with women you run into them and i was one of those bastard seven platoons so we had more run-ins with them than um most of the other platoons did just because of the, how the product of being a seven platoon and moving around a bunch was and being out of the rifle range but um i don't think there's any problem with females being in the marine corps at all that's not what i'm saying i just think the training needs to be separated I mean, I don't have any good, like, I don't think that, like, MCT was integrated, right? Everybody was together at MCT, yep. which most yes. people refer to as a fourth phase of boot camp. And yes. nothing much good came out of having the men and women. It wasn't like there was this huge bonus to having men and women integrated. The, and I could be convinced otherwise. I'm not saying, I just from personal experience. Um, it was just a lot of drama. No, I... There was a lot of fucking bullshit that happened. Um dudes trying to sneak into fucking sleeping bags and shit like that and getting caught. And, um, and it kind of, it begs the question, what's the real reason? Why are they pushing so hard to integrate Paris Island? It works. What they have now works. Yeah. And it works well. It's been, they've been doing it the same way since the forties. Right. Yeah. I mean, 80, what was it? It's been 80 years. They've been training female Marines for 80 years at Paris Island. And it's the only place they don't train in San Diego. It's only at Paris Island. Correct. I mean, you've got it right. You know, uh, female Marine, WMs, whatever you call them now, I guess just Marines that are ladies, uh, they're, they're pretty well. Rough, there's a lot of bad know? names they're, for them. They're warriors. Female Marines. But, I mean, there's a lot. But there's warriors, definitely you know? some, yeah. I mean, there's definitely some female Marines that were more warriors than some of the male Marines. Yes. Yeah. You, I, yeah I've had, I fought, I uh, served with a couple of female captains who, uh, who I would follow into the seventh circle of hell gladly. And then there were others who, golly walking mattress lack of a better term you know mm-hmm. they were there for window dressing um and they gave the rest of them a bad name and there's some i guess some, some of the dudes were the same way you know you had your shit bags too um but 
Well, I think the, you... that one article I read touched on it really well. You know, it's two separate issues. Everybody makes it sound like, oh, they're going to shut Paris Island down because they're integrate. And that wasn't, it isn't what it is at all. I mean, it, mm-hmm. from, I haven't been, I haven't been to Paris Island in fucking 18 years. It's when I graduated 18 years ago. Yeah, it's been like And that. when I was but there, there's a, there's it two... wasn't, it wasn't run down, but it wasn't in great shape. You know, there's definitely shit that's been there since the 60s that hasn't changed. You know, they put some more fucking lead paint over the top of it, but the fucking same stuff. I mean, I, I swear to God, the M16 <laughs> I had was actually white because all of the black was rubbed off of it because it was so old. Yep. But, um, oh, yeah. still shot fine. But, no, but I guess you know, the, I guess the base two, itself has just fallen poly- apart, dude. And that's what these generals made it sound like was... You know, it, it, yeah, we need we need to redo the the barracks need to be redone if we're going to integrate males and females, which is obvious because I can't imagine that all the barracks I stayed in didn't have any walls on the shitters, and that's going to be really awkward when a chick's in there trying to take a piss and dudes are walking by it because that's how it was. You had the pissers, the shitters, and then the shower. <laughs> you had a yeah, you had a trough. That was it <laughs> for the pissers. Yeah, trough. and then you had the next yeah. room over had the shitters in it, and then the fucking yeah. the last one. And, and then you had, the, women... you had the showers with the little heads that were bolted into the wall. They didn't yeah. even come out. They were just the head that was like spraying out. Unless women but, learn how to pee standing up, it's going to be kind of awkward. No, from what I read, this is what I read, and it's like like I said, I think it's a two faceted um, conversation. You know, if we're going to talk about integrating Paris Island, I mean, they were talking about each. Well, not integrating Paris Island. Island integrating... Boy, girl, boy, girl. Integrating the platoons. Like the, I mean, Paris well, Island's already integrated, right? Yeah. It's just they're integrating they were talking the actual about, platoons. Right. But no. Or battalions. They were saying that, yeah, they were saying so each one would have its own. Like, there would be a female unit, you know, uh, then a male unit. But they would have their own squad base. So you wouldn't have girls pooping next to boys, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, but uh, there, there's that aspect of it. And then there's the aspect of when they want to be treated, they want everybody to be treated equally, the, the, the males and the females. And I'm sorry, there's, there's a difference. There's a physical difference. And I don't care what anybody says. We no, 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 hundred percent. And it's not a bad thing. No. I mean, there, there's it's certain things thing that men, that women are, I mean, it's just how they grew with it. Men and women are different. And that difference yeah. has become something that people like sneer at now versus celebrate. And I think it's something that right. should be celebrated. The perspectives, the fact that women bring a different perspective to things is a bonus, not a negative. A blessing, yeah. I got two daughters at home. A a woman that thinks like a dude. Right. And I mean, like I said, both of us have two daughters at home. And I want my my daughters to be able to be able to live whatever the hell they want to be. If that's a Marine or if that's an astronaut, they can do whatever they want. They're not joining the Air Force. But the idea that they should be treated the same. They're not joining the Air Force. Treated the same. Not joining the Air Force, no. No, that's... (laughs) They want to be a civilian. They can stay at home and be a civilian. <laughs> <laughs> if they want to join the mail service. They can join the U.S. mail. I don't know. You know, whatever. Light it <laughs> but them. it's funny you, you you had touched on that, and 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 that was a, a part of the article. I, I read an article on the um, what was it the um, the Buford Gazette, mm-hmm. and it cited everything. Some of the points you were talking about, and one of the things that the sergeant major. Oh, I'd have to look up her name now, but she's fourth battalion sergeant major, and she brought it up. She said, "There's a that Paris Island." She said, "There's, you know, sixteen percent." Or how she phrase it? One in six is a female in all um, service members in all the Marine Corps. What to go to Paris Island? No, all in the United States. Only one in six who served was female. And then she even broke it down even further. She said, "You know, of." of all the branches the Marine Corps has, you know, some of the least, and she compared it to the Air Force. She said there are 16% females in the Air Force versus 8% who are enlisted in the Marine Corps or who are in the Marine Corps, not, not necessarily enlisted, but enlisted in officer together. So I kind of looked it up and it's, it's when you, when you kind of quantify the, the numbers numerically, it's, it's, it's not just, oh, there's, there's double the number of women in the Air Force than there are in the Marine Corps, but the Air Force is like four times, almost double the size of the Marine Corps, and that includes reserves and everything. So when you really kind of look at it, what a percentage is, it turned out there was like 17,000 and change active, you know, and reserved females in the Marines versus 62,000 that are in the, and change that are in the, in the Air Force. Right. And I think that goes back to a, a proclivity of males versus females to 
want to take challenging jobs, you know, put it in civilian terms. If you were to line up a hundred women and say, Hey, I've got a job on an oil rig, you know, you're going to be out in the middle of the, the, the Pacific drilling and you're not going to see your family. Well, it's like or what you were friends talking about, however, and you and I both had the same experience with the air force recruiter. They, they all, you're going to have a better quality of life in the air force than you are the Marine Corps. And I swear yeah. everybody who's talked to recruiters has the same experience. Oh yeah. And it's not that it's not true. It's 100% oh, true. Oh, absolutely. And they're, they're parked right next to each other in the same building. It's 100% yeah. true. I mean, the yeah. idea that the, the Air Force should have a better quality of life than the Marine Corps. And I, I can speak from personal experience because part of I did a lot, bunch of my training on an Air Force base. And it was it was in San, in San Antonio at Randolph. Yeah. And I, I supposedly, I think they had like the number one or the number two best chow hall in the, in the whole United States. Like that, they got some kind mm-hmm. of award for it or whatever. And I can attest to it because I remember we rolled in there after going to Sears School. And then before that were Pensacola. So Pensacola, you're just like school cafeteria kind of, you know, chow hall kind of experience. And we rolled up in this base in San Antonio. And I mean, you're talking steak and lobster dinners on weekends. You could, I mean, we got to the point every morning, the guy there knew what kind of omelet I would like. And he would make my omelet for me and have it sitting in a to-go box. So, cause I, I would always, you know, I'd get out of my rack at 10 minutes before cl- you know, a school start or nav school started fucking run by the chow hall real quick and grab my, my, my little omelet and then run to the schoolhouse and fucking scarf the omelet down on the way. But we did, we did some training over on the air force base as well. And the biggest thing that I remember was when we got done with our meal in the chow hall, we kind of looked over at one of the airmen. And we're like, Hey, what do we, where do we take our trays? And they were like, you don't, you just leave them on the, on the, on the table. And we had people that come and we're just like, Oh hell no. This oh, no, 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 you're, fu- you're so fucking with me right now. There is no, this is, yeah, you're so where's, fucking with me. where's the guy that's going to come yell at me when I walk away without screaming my tray. Yell at me. <laughs> and it was literally right, all waiting. Forgot, like, that was so hard to get used to not taking yeah. your tray anywhere. Just like, what? This is legal. This isn't a Geneva convention. This is, you're right. you're, <laughs> you're going to tell me I can walk on grass next. <laughs> Wait, do you guess which, which you could. Yeah, they had like one guy per per barrack, and we had three. You know, yeah, the, and, and it's the thing is the Air Force would be like, we got we got quality of life, we got quality of life, and the Marines would look at you and be like, so you think you can be a Marine? Why don't you fucking show me? Stand in yeah, line, prove it. We're gonna cut your hair, we're gonna give you some clothes, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put your fucking wheel to the test. Yeah, when I was talking, you know, to and the recruiter, was, he told me straight up, he's like, I don't fucking care if you become a Marine or not. If you want to be the most badass motherfucker there is, join the Marine Corps. Otherwise, go talk to one of those other dipshits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was night and day, and I think I think obviously I would say the numbers for females being in the Marines versus females. Being yeah, I think it's safe to say that that has an effect. And I mean, it's not like there's definitely saying, a correlation. You know, it's not like you're saying women are weak or whatever, but it's just like no. you said, oil rig. You know, women don't sign up in droves to go work at oil rigs. There's a few out there. No. But just like if you were to line up a hundred men and say, "Hey, I've got they're this not great equally opportunity to be a you know to work at a daycare." Or a hairdresser. Yeah, or a hairdresser. It's just not. It's, there are men who will do it, and there are men doing it. It's not that. It's just how many in a hundred would do it, right? You know, and so like, and it doesn't make me fucking sexist for saying it. No, I know? mean, you're, we're probably going to get lambasted for this, but whatever. The, uh, <laughs> you know, it's also that warrior culture. It's not something that women can't women can't adopt, but majority of women I've ever met don't adopt that warrior mindset, that warrior culture that is. I mean, obviously they do because they're in the Marine Corps, right? But for the most part, most of the women I ever met, that's not how they look at life. That's not what they want to do. They don't want to be warriors. Right. Um, and that's why some I think some of the other branches appeal to them because the other branches right. aren't a warrior mindset. And that's not a hit. That's just how they're built. Right. I mean, you don't want when, somebody when with a warrior mindset turning a wrench on a fucking jet engine. Oh, right. nah, engine bad. Because <laughs> that's what would happen if you fucking... I right. watched some of the power line guys in the airframe. That's kind of what shit happened. Hey, hey, I resemble that remark just a little bit. Oh, I've seen you fucking work <laughs> on cars. I damn well know you hit shit with a wrench. Whatever. I think you brought your truck to my garage there. You swap out parts. Well, that was just because I wanted to watch you guys work on it. <laughs> bring us beer the occasional beer <laughs> some pizza order the pizza <laughs> no but it's it's the truth and i think within you, you probably see the same thing within uh within the dudes too if you're if you're analytical about it i mean i mean there, there's guys who are like hell no i never want to be in the air wing versus 
you know. Yeah, I think they call those beta males now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'd have to look it up. I don't know the term beta male. Doesn't sound very flattering. Though. Somebody from San Francisco. <laughs> so, oh, gotcha. I'm glad I'm clear. <laughs> Mark, if you're listening. <laughs> I love you, buddy. <laughs> like I said, there's not. It's not something I've got my heels dug in on this either. I mean, I 100% I can have my mind changed. And the only reason I say that is because of how much my perspective on stuff has changed, you know, in the last six years. I mean, you're, you're, Hannah's old, a lot older, so you've been exposed to them. But when you have daughters, the way you see the world and the way you see things, and you're like, God, I'm a fucking idiot for thinking that when you were younger, because you get exposed yeah. to young girls and you see them grow up and you, you, you know, you want them to, be happy and at the same time you you want them to be tough um yeah you know that was one of the biggest challenges growing as a father i've had is that you know that marine corps and cowboy mindset as well i mean i, I grew up in the city grew up in fucking westchester and birmingham alabama and butte montana you know it wasn't like i grew up in the country but my family is cowboys and that's what I, my dad's a cowboy i mean some of the best lessons i ever learned in my life were from my dad more so than even i learned in the marine corps and that those lessons right. are all carved out of stone, man. Just being tough, you know, not giving in, working through it, you know, just being a tough son of a bitch, really. And trying to give those life lessons, not giving, but trying to uh, mutate still- those life lessons to where they fit, a f- to fit females and their way of seeing the world and the way they work. Yeah. No, it's different. Same thing. I didn't grow up in the cowboy lifestyle. We had agricultural farm and I was blessed to have my, uh, the guy who raised me and, uh, and my grandfather, both male influences in my life and both taught me very distinctly different life lessons. But at the end of it, it was self-reliance. It was never have your hand out. It was, you know, um, do the best, always do you do your best, you know, good quality work yeah. and stuff like this. These were just like, and do your homework. To understand where you're coming from, understand what you're talking about, you know. Um, otherwise, keep your mouth shut. So it's it's one of those things, you know. And again, trying to take that rough and tough, you know, mentality, you know. And then, which was only amplified by the Marines. And oh yeah, I mean, um, it, that pours you know, fucking gasoline on that whole fucking yeah. attitude, especially when you're yeah. younger, man. You feel like you're fucking invincible. But you are invincible. In some ways, you are because <laughs> everybody's too fucking scared. <laughs> this guy's fucking nuts. He is nuts. Don't fuck with that guy. And which we live up, you know. Um, but no, yeah, like you're saying, how do you apply that? And I struggle with that too with Hannah. I struggle that with even with Robert too, you know. I got three kids, but yeah, you know, a little bit with Robert. Like, how do I get him to, you know, maybe figure out a better way? That kid's got Marine in his genes. <laughs> He's insane. <laughs> But then, then there's Amelia, and then there's Amelia. Amelia's, Amelia's got a little bit of fucking Robert's in her insane. jeans too, dude. She's nuts. <laughs> but and in a good way. I just mean tough and strong-willed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. You know, and that's kind of the deal. Well, you know, being a tough Marine, but also being a lover, father, a, a loving father and husband. It's. Uh, you know, I was raised by a single mom. And I definitely, there was definitely, you know, there's a lot of presumption, you know, boys that are raised by moms, they might be softer, they might be weaker. My mom was one of the toughest mother. She, you did not piss that woman off. I can tell you that she got, she, some dude tried to fucking mug her in Birmingham, Alabama, when we lived down there, like tackled her to the ground and tried to mug her in a parking garage. She put the dude's eye out with a fucking, her heel. She took her heel off and jammed it in the dude's eye socket. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) She was tough. She was fucking tough. Every but time you look in the mirror, you will remember the day you attacked me. Growing up, uh, <laughs> growing up like that, and just learning to be tough, and that's kind of how you approached everything in life. Was like you said, individualistic and being res- responsible for your own stuff. But then trying to learn how to be um, compassionate and taking a hold of emotions and things that you grew up seeing as a weakness. You know, we all did it in the Marine Corps, compassion. Yeah. You know, things that you saw as a weakness are absolutely essential to have a, a long-term relationship with a woman of any, of any kind. It doesn't matter if it's your wife or your daughter. If you're not going to be compassionate, they're going to fucking walk the fuck away from you. 
You know, right. that was one of the more, and I still battle through it to this day. Uh, but it's, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's been a fantastic learning experience and I would be fucking proud as hell. I mean, I mean, I don't know, I guess it kind of depends on what president was in charge, but I would be proud as hell to have my fucking daughters want to sign up for the Marine Corps. And of course I would want everything. And of course I'm going to be biased at that point for what they should get. I'm going to want them to have the best stuff and be treated the best full well knowing yeah. how hard it is to be a female in the Marine Corps. It's not easy. Yeah. The, from the get-go, you're not, it's not easy, you know, for, for everyone, but it's even, even, I guess you double down if you're a female, it makes it even that much more difficult mm -hmm. because there are, it just is. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you you, you fight them, you fight them. So, I mean, I, I, again, I haven't been in the Marine Corps for 13 years now, but, you, they're always they, they fight misogyny right you're always fighting misogyny as a female marine you see it and it's just there yeah. now the other side of that is some brought it on worse than others they yes, they went yeah. looking for fucking fights and they went to pick fights based on sex and that feeds a lot of the problems um it's not the only thing you know it's kind of like making the argument she she deserved to get raped because she was wearing a short skirt and that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just you know, when you're dealing interpersonally and you act like a bitch to somebody, it doesn't matter if you're a dude or a girl, they're going to act fucking horrible back to you. Correct. And then your reputation is going to precede you. You know, no one's going to want to work with you. And, and I've seen both. Like I said, there, I saw bunches that were, um, you know, men and women that were that were awesome. I'd, I'd go anywhere with. And then there were some who we signed up for the posthumous uh, CMH award. You know, we were ever in combat. They were going to get tossed on the grenade and their kids were going to go to fucking Citadel. Mm hmm. <laughs> Or whatever. <laughs> Saved us all. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, so, I mean, you had shitbags and, you know, and stellar performers on both sides, you know. And, um, and the, there's definitely... Right, is, you know. There's definitely this... The world, the military world was to, is totally different than the civilian world in most aspects. Just because of the way... Like, you can quit your job. You can't fucking quit the Marine Corps. <laughs> you're, you're there until you're your EAS date. Maybe a little bit shorter if you saved up some, some leave, but, <laughs> you know, you're there. You know, somebody, you're in a fucking yeah, shitty job. You can walk away and, you know, go get another job. I guess in the Trump economy. We'll see in the Biden economy. But uh, with, it was one of the things that was one of the most eye-opening experience with me was, um, was the leadership and management comparing those two between the Marine Corps and the civilian world. Uh, it took me a long time. And I, I don't know that I ever really got into a true leadership role in the Marine Corps. Um, just cause there was nobody behind me. You know, I got promoted to Sergeant a couple of months before I got out, uh, just to the way the nav promotion system worked. Um, pretty sure I wasn't very well liked by most of the guys that were my seniors. There's a few that were okay, but I think most of them didn't like me. And as I got farther out of the Marine Corps, I realized how poor the leadership really was. You know, you just always assume you're in the military, people in the military have good leadership. And then you start to see these parallels between the bad leadership in the civilian world and the military world. And it's all based off of the same stuff. You know, yeah. a, a lack of understanding of the guys that are working for you. You know, assuming that somebody's purposely being a shitbag and they're just there to hurt everybody else. So you got to fucking punish them. And, uh, and you know, the reality is... is just did a poor job of leading that man. Right. And, and I'm, I'm a fucking hardcore alkalite of Jocko Willink's books, man. I love his stuff and it changed my life. It really did. Um, when I was, I don't want to say I was thrust into a leadership role at Lake Mead when we were working down there, but yeah, cause I kind of took it. I took leadership there cause it was needed. There was a huge void of it. And, the difference in reactions for, with the guys that I dealt with, that was one of the most um, fulfilling things I've ever had in my life. Uh, you know, taking guys that nobody else wanted to work with and the rest of the entire company and then putting them in charge of my babies, the things that if they tanked, it would ruin my career. Yeah, and then they excelled at it. I mean, and they, they excelled at but it. But it wasn't that. It was, it was leadership that you demonstrated and showed them, pulled them across the finish line. I mean, they were... Well, and, and that's the names I know we're talking about in, in, in the yeah, leadership I mean, side of it is, is, is you, more of just having human relations with people and understanding and trying to work with them 
you know, Mark, what, I think it, it was it Mark Twain or was it Einstein that said, you know, talked about, you know, trying to make a fish climb a tree. You know, oh, yeah. you try to make people do something they're not good at and they're never yeah. going to be good at. You're just setting them up for failure. You know, the key is to That's find cool. how what they're good at and then help them excel at that. Yeah, put the monkey in the tree and the fish in the pond, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that the monkey can't swim across the pond, you know. But on the flip but side it of that, it, it was also a, it was a product of, you know, having great guys that were willing to be led. You know, leadership's up and down. It's not just you don't lead the guys below you. I mean, very often you're leading up the chain of command more than anything. Because the, the more and more I see it, the more I was convinced that there, there's just a massive void of leadership in the world right now. A true understanding of leadership. There's a shitload of management. There's a shitload of management. But there's not leadership. a lot of leadership. And yeah, it comes out of, things... of fear of failure. It comes out of not understanding the people you're, oh, and no desire to understand the people you're working around. Um, there's well, a lot of laziness involved with it. At least that's what I see. People are just too lazy well, to yeah. do the hard work and learn their people. You brought it up. You touched on it. The biggest thing you touched on it when you were referring to your daughters. Um, the biggest thing is to, in your wife, you know, is 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 um, being open in, in developing that relationship, and that doesn't. And I wanted to touch on it back then, so. Sorry, I'm backpedaling you a little oh, bit. Oh, it's fine. It's, it, I think it's applicable to both, you know, professional, uh, military, and your family is, is is building that relationship and not being afraid to stand up and and, and and show them your true colors. Just be raw. Just be be who you are. Yeah. But not be afraid to show that emotion. It's, it's okay to go, yeah, I screwed up. Or, yeah, I fucked up. Or, hell, I just kicked that. I just kicked the shit out of them. You know, like, hey, maybe we just knocked the ball out of the park. You know, all in the same breath with equal enthusiasm, but being able to be that that person where they see what they see is what they get. There's nothing going on in the back of the head, you know, and, and that's imperative with leadership is, is, is bringing everybody together and talking to them saying, how would you do this? You know, what's, what's going on in your head? What do you see? You know, how do I, how do I dig this hole better? Or how do I, how do I lay this pipe better? Or how do I, how do I wreck right now? I'm building the border wall. How do I, how do I wreck this wall better? You know, how can I, how can I help right. everybody around? You know, and again, that's leadership up and down the chain of command. How do I bury protesters on the Mexican side? How do I bury the Indian protesters in the BLM? Completely. <laughs> they did. Half the ones that. Totally sarcastic. Yeah. Don't send like anybody the, after us. Uh, the difference. <laughs> there was nobody. The Native going, there was nobody the... buried on the Mexican side. We kept them all on the U.S. side. Well, buried by us that we're aware <laughs> of this time. <laughs> no, but like the Native Americans that come out, they'd pray to the spirit world, do their thing, and burn like. Uh, sage grass and they go on about their business but these blm fuckers they come in and they lay literally laying sleeping bags in our trenches for no reason other than they were getting paid to do it yeah you know the word around the campfire was 300 dollars a day i, I digress though but they were like we're good, here for the pretty good world. money during no, covid not. in california fucking day that's one of the few jobs that newsom didn't take care of you know <laughs> get rid of god i'm glad <laughs> i don't have to live in that state <laughs> There's only they're only outlawing cars here until what was it twenty thirty five? They're getting 20, rid of all twenty five or thirty five. I thought it was thirty five. It's no longer can 15. you have a combustion powered vehicle? Oh my god! Yeah. I did the arithmetic on that, and it's impossible. The technology, but anyway, exist, dude. But leadership wise, so yeah, developing that relationship is kind of what you were touching on there, and I wanted to kind of go back and like yeah, whether you're developing a relationship with your child, your wife or your coworker, you know, it's, it's very, the, the principles are the same, you know? Well, and you're teaching, you're not open. just teaching people how to do something. Your, you, your leadership rubs off on everybody around you. So if you're a yeah. shitty leader, everybody underneath you is at some point in their life going right. to end up being a shitty leader because all they understand is the way you did things that were being a shitty leader to say the word three fucking times. But that, those methods and those ways of doing things rub off on everybody around you. And if that's all they know and all they understand, they repeat that. They, even if they hate you, even if you're somebody they completely despise and hate, if that's all they know in leadership, that's what they start to do because that's the only thing they know. So being a good leader, isn't just about getting people to be successful in what they're doing now. It's about teaching them how to be successful in the future when they're, they eventually step into the shoes you're currently in. And that's what makes it so difficult. Because all it takes is one bad person to ruin a whole lineage of people. Correct. And instead of building a team, um, like leaders will build teams and 
in uh, micromanagers or managers will build clicks. And I've spent a lot of time clicks. thinking about this. This is just yeah. John's personal opinion here, but I always thought like a team's embraceive of the next guy and wants to hear what they have to say. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do it. It just means I want I want you to feel free to speak, you know, and, and yeah. a click is so micromanaged that they defend itself against the leadership. So they, they defend it. They, the group defends itself. It's kind of like a gang. Corporate, yeah, even if mistakes gang. are made, they cover up for it. It's somebody else's fault, right? And it's whatever it is, it's not their yeah. group. It's better. You know, so they've gotten really good at defending themselves. And it's insanely really toxic, good. dude. It's so toxic. Oh, God, yes. Because it turns, it turns into a tribalistic thing, and you end up people mm -hmm. people that have the same goal on the big picture, supposedly, their goal is supposed to be the same, but they end up with their own little micro goals that are more important in their mind because mm -hmm. they're worried about just surviving. And yep. that's what it is. And uh, Simon Sinek yep. talks about this quite a bit. And, it, you know, he talks about creating good working environments where people feel safe is so important because if they don't feel safe, they're going to be more worried about preserving their own existence than they are making money or making profit. You know, they're more concerned about right. just surviving. And that's everything they do is focused around surviving. You know, how do I blame this on somebody else? How do I make sure right. I don't have to do this task is going to fail no matter what? How do I make sure somebody else does it? Correct. And, you know, Sean Whalen brings up a good point. He brings up a graph and he talks about like he makes a circle. He talks about how much percentage of your mind is based on, you know, is being directed at something negative versus right. towards your goal. You know, and the same thing similarly in leadership when you're when you're concentrating on on how not to fuck up um, instead of how to execute the mission and how to do it the best, you know, to the best of your ability. If your mission is military oriented to seek out and destroy the enemy or whether it's to make money in the corporate corporate sense. I mean, they're very, very they're, they're identical, except one uses a pen, one uses a gun, you know, to to effectuate the change. So but I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, concentrating on what you're doing 100%, I think is key, you know, and again, again, that comes with leadership, getting your men to, to buy in on that and, and understand that, hey, I'll, def I'll defend you as long as you're on this side, right side of the law, just by a little bit, you know, you know, it was you're one of those pouring, deals that it was, you're not marrying people on the Mexican side of the border, right? <laughs> it, it was one of those deals that was funny, I'll to defend you because it and it didn't even it didn't even matter what the task was, because I could get guys to do things for me that they would do for i mean i used to always rephrase it as the guys would walk through fucking broken glass covered in coals to do something i asked them to do because they believed in it and somebody else that they fucking hated could ask them to do something even even easier and less hard to do you know go walk across that wet floor and they would fight it tooth and nail every bit of the way they could do because they didn't believe in the mission it wasn't worth it there right. was no reason to do it yeah, agreed. And that's a that's a product of leadership. That's a product of, like you're saying, getting everybody to buy in and do, buy into the what the not just what the the goal is, but the mission and how to get to the goal. Right. You know, it's uh, it's amazing what can happen and how much money you can make if you just turn your men loose, and and defend them. I mean, and trust and, them. I understand they, and trust and trust them. them. Yeah, trust them. And, and, you know, say hey, go bring me the horizon and sit back. And, like you said this, and it stuck with me a long time. You're like, hey, let your men surprise you. And it's the truth, you know, like you'll, you'd be surprised how they do it differently than what you got in your head. And sometimes a lot of times it's better than what you've got, you know, because um, they get to, they see it from their perspective. And mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to jump in to steal the ship. That's not to say you just laissez faire, but it is a breath of fresh air, especially particularly if they've been micromanaged, which overwhelmingly a lot of the guys have. You know, they've well, been and, managed. And, and it, it kind of gets into like our, 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 our most recent life experiences, um, you know, People want to be challenged. If you let people, if you're micromanaging people, they just expect to be micromanaged. They're not going to do anything until you tell them exactly what to do, right? And yep. that's just what they're going to expect in life. Um, yep. Who was it? I think it was, uh, it's one of the Shark Tank guys. I just saw it the other day. You know, he said a paycheck is the drug that allows you to be comfortable with where you're at. That's what a paycheck is. Yeah. And if you're never challenged, and it brings up kind of the, the more recently some of the things you and I have tackled that I would have never believed that I would have ever have even been a part of more more or less. 
uh, you know, things like, um, you know, in, being an inventor and patenting something and writing a book, you know, the things you're working on right now. Yeah, I would have never thought, like, I, I, would, I grew up, I was SLD, which to you guys don't know, I think it's probably evolved into some other polysymbolic name, but it was, back then it was called specifically learning, dis, specific learning disability. And basically it said I didn't know how to read and comprehend all that well. And I graduated cum laude and I, I'm writing my own book, which I should probably send to an editor pretty quick. <laughs> um, it's been sitting on my desk. Um, I need to get that out the door. Actually, two books. But um, but yeah, like, yeah, that and inventing and uh, shoot, we're only stones throw away. I say a couple of months, maybe six before that patent comes through. It'd be about two years and then about six months. But um, and that's usually the turnaround time. Well, yeah, and, then like, walk, and then totally changing a perspective on for like me and walking away from a career. I mean, it was, yeah. it was one of the most insane decisions that I had ever made in my entire life. Something I've yeah, been working more than people. <laughs> what I've been working to do for, I mean, what, what I, what I, I've been working towards that goal where I, where the, the point that I had achieved, I had been working towards for 13 years. Like that was the single goal I had been trudging forward to working 60 and 70, sometimes, sometimes hundred hour weeks. Um, not seeing yeah, my family and, for days on end, yeah. giving up everything to reach this goal. And then I finally reached it and I was like, wait, I did all of this for this is this doesn't mean anything. This is so empty and shallow to be where I'm at. And I'm the only thing I'm grateful for is that I learned it when I was fucking 35 and not 55 or 65. And right. passing up on the stuff that was really important. You know, it's sunk with me for a long while. I, I, it's an old, it, it's an old quote now, but you know, and I don't even know the quote verbatim, but it's Steve Jobs on his deathbed, you know, talking about how he had all the money in the world, but he couldn't buy back a second of time that he'd missed. Right. Yeah. And all the money in the world. Sitting in the office, watching my kids fucking learn to snowboard from my cell phone was probably pretty close to the last straw missing moments you know i was lucky enough i didn't miss their first steps i didn't you know a lot of people miss those yeah. um i didn't miss all of the moments but i started missing more and more and for what for money for money that i could so i could enjoy something maybe if i survived to 65 which if i believed in the covid mess fucking i would have spent all my money this year but the at this point You're probably gonna die right now right the <laughs> Putting money as something more valuable than time is a, a lesson that I, I don't know that everybody even ever learns or even understands. And it might you might be happier never learning that lesson. You know, that whole ignorance is bliss kind of thing. But I, I'm, I'm so happy with where I'm at. And I'm not doing anything of what I had planned to do. You know, I had a whole bunch of plans for real estate and COVID fucking nuked that. And it's through my own fault. I probably could have found a way to make it work. I just found other stuff to do and you know we're here right now doing this because of it yeah after after what since 2017 we've been talking about this and now we're now here we are you know and you know. little odds and ends jobs doing things here and there you know trying to do a little bit of construction consulting and you know just trying to spread the good word if you will uh right it's uh yeah, it's you, a crazy you, world man um trying to figure yeah, that out into jewels at the end of Pulp Fiction, man, you're not just wandering the world, you're busting your ass and you're doing it in a different way and you actually get to spend time with your, with your family. And well, and, totally and something I, 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 the more difficult something was the, uh, of a challenge to get through. And yeah, I mean, I, I can almost promise you can attest to this with your book and with your, your, your patent. It's more rewarding, even if it isn't successful. The growth you get as a person to go try something that's super fucking hard yeah. and you don't understand and teach yourself to do it. Yep. And and I owe some of that to Barnard and working at Barnard because Barnard gives that to you. I mean, most of the time they don't give a shit if you know how to do something or not. It's like, here you go. This is your job. Figure it out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I've never yep. done a schedule in my entire life. Oh, well, you're a scheduler now. Okay. Well, I guess I better figure this out. Well, Tim, Tim Howe, he, he told me when I was an intern, uh, he lined all interns up when we first started. He goes, uh, he goes, uh, welcome to the pool. Here's a bunch of weight. Take a deep breath. There's a deep end of the pool. Jump in. Those are like his exact words. And, 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 and I didn't understand what he meant until like a week later. And I 
had to work like 70 hours in Florida's sun with the alligators and shit down there. <laughs> but yeah, like, I'm serious, we had alligators. We had, I don't know if you, you're familiar with, I, mean, I know you're familiar with alligators, dude, but like, they size you up like any other animal and uh, they'll look at you and they'll say, okay, yeah, you're on my food chain or no, you're not. So like a dog is on a five foot alligator's food chain. Okay. But you and me are not, they would back away from us, you know, unless they were sick or something, I guess. But we had this great big burly African-American fella who was, uh, he dwarfed me. All right. He's six foot two, six foot three. And he is climbed up in the bed of his pickups, screaming and pointing, gator over here, gator over here. It's a gator, like maybe three and a half feet. Tall. It was like a big lizard. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it was an it iguana. Was sitting in the shade. Of, it was like a big iguana, but it was an, it was sitting up underneath the shade of this uh, this uh, uh, gen set that we had out there. And he is just petrified, as petrified could be. And I'm just like, yeah, we see these every day. You get this, this thing's scared of you. <laughs> Go run He's at it. Watch what happens. <laughs> oh, but no. Um, yeah, like, yeah, like you said, uh, there's a, you know, that's one of the things that kind of drew me into Barnard. Really, was uh, there's there are certain very, very corporate, but there are a few parallels to the Marine Corps that were appealing that no other company that I've seen, you know, at least broadcast out. Yeah, uh, I never I've never heard Granite say that we use the terms "us be ours," you know, and. Uh, I've never heard Stellar say that we wear our name on our hard hat. Dude, that shit's still you know? so, so fucking ingrained to me when I'm talking about Barnard. I still say it just hits me every time I say us, and she's like, "You're us, not there yeah. anymore." <laughs> but at the same time, right? But that's but how it, that's and that's how the company works. That's how ingrained it was. Right. right. Well, that's like trying to stop saying "raw" or something. You know, like it's just not true. How, no. Yeah. I mean, I or, was at Barnard for longer. Or, than I was uh, in the Marine Corps. <laughs> yeah, I've been in uh, Barnard longer than I've been in the Marines. Yeah. But I mean, they're both like in, they both leave in like indelible, you know, marks up here, you know, you'll remember it forever. You yeah. know, the guys you work with on whatever project, you know, some really close bonds there, which are pretty cool. You know, like I said, in a very corporate way, it's, there are some parallels there that were very appealing, at least to me. Because when I went to college, it was like, oh, this frat or that frat. And, and you're going to, you're going to make friends that are lifelong. And I got there and I was just like, you fuckers are talking about how long you can hold a beer up. And that's your hazing. You know, like, the, uh, join me at Paris Island. We'll talk about what hazing is. Right. You know? <laughs> that doesn't even qualify as hazing, even in the new world. Right. <laughs> Just say, you know, like, people were bragging about the most the most trivial shit and thinking it was huge. And I was just like, just point me to where the books are. I'm here to get a degree and get out of here. You know? The, uh, you know, one thing I, I suppose with the the way the world is right now, we can't uh, not talk about politics. Uh, not in a podcast in twenty twenty in November, but uh, I, don't, I don't really want to get into. The Might be different if we had it. a president. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to get into the super gritty of it yet. We can save that for another episode. But you know, no, there's some where we're at, where here. we're going. It's funny because everybody on one side of the aisle, everybody thought the world was going to fucking end. And this is, this is saving it on the other side. Everybody thought the world was fucking saved and now it's going to end. And both sides are completely fucking wrong. Everything's going to be completely fine. Yeah. The, the country has survived. I mean, a lot of people think Trump's a horrible fucking person and that's fine. They're entitled to opinions, but I guarantee you the country survived far worse people. Our, our republic is stronger than people think. And I've, I've heard some, some work talk about there's going to be a war. And, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I think out of all the countries in the world, we understand war the best. And, and I think I think war. the downfall is is that, uh, that, that it became profitable to divide people. And not recent. It's not something that recently happened. But division uh, and hatred and... Um, that kind of stuff is profitable now, very profitable. You know, whether it's getting clicks on news sites, news sites, I should say, uh, yeah. or social media interactions. You know, that's <laughs> somebody comes in and goes, you know, I'm a conservative and I love my liberal friend. That doesn't get that doesn't get any attention on Twitter. 
somebody goes, right. fucking liberals are retarded. That gets a lot of attention on Twitter. Right. You know, and that's that's what it's all about. And you can say what you want, but that's monetizing. Twitter Twitter loves it because it monetizes. That's how they sell ads. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of people, it's sad because you see these battle lines drawn between people that were friends and, and family. Even though everybody's no, got shared values, you still see battle lines drawn over something that is, at the end of the day, inconsequential. 20 years from right. now, people are just going to talk about the Trump presidency like they talk about Reagan or Carter or fucking Nixon. You know, right. it's a memory. It's not something that is currently dictating yeah. your life. It's just a memory. Right. Uh, I feel the same way. I think uh, I think our republic's actually quite strong. And I, and I don't think this, you know, our, our nation is going to be divided one way or another. But I do see, I would say, an acceleration of the division. I think 10 years ago, if you were to look at Facebook and I don't think Twitter was around, maybe Twitter was around 10 years ago. But if you were to take a look at these two things, it was a it was a forum to express yourself freely. Then things happen. Oh, what happens? So what Facebook goes public and now they got shareholders. They got to. They got to uh, make happy, you know, where you maximize the profits and you got your shareholders' uh, opinions about it. So now all of a sudden you're censoring certain people, but not censoring others. And um, like you said, one, one, one guy can be monetized if he's on one side of the aisle, the other guy gets demonetized just for saying their opinion, you know. And I don't know about you, but I know about you. You know, the to me, the First Amendment means quite a bit, you know, freedom of expression, freedom of speech. But when you start talking about monetizing it you start talking about corporate corporations being a platform for freedom of speech and then couple that with fucking stockholders who may be on the right side of the aisle the left side of the aisle i could see very easily how this thing has well agendas start to take over now you have agendas taking over versus freedom and they're 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 money hey i'm pulling my dollars if you don't do this you know and so i mean I, i do see it and it does seem like it in my opinion, it has accelerated, you know, the division. Oh, yeah. You know? No, it's it's definitely worse than, than I've ever seen it. But if you turn off the fucking phone and you close your damn laptop and you walk outside and you see somebody and you talk to them, guess what? They hold the door for you. They say, hello, how are you? They yeah. can give a shit what side of the aisle you're on. You know, they can give a shit what you just said, what comment you said. Like what? You're big and bad. You just send some fucking electrons through a wire. You know, <laughs> like, think about what you just did, you know, like, and you're getting emotional with that, you know, like, it's like, yeah, kind of on my own side on that. But yeah, I do think it has accelerated, you know, you know? and we'll see. I mean, how many I, stars the are whole on election that flag hasn't been, The election hasn't been technically decided. I know the media has called it for Biden and Trump's got about 400 lawsuits he's filing, most of which are probably frivolous. Uh I think the more important, th- I, regardless of who fucking wins at this point, I really just don't give a shit. Um, right. I've got a plan for either way on what I'm going to do. What's more important to me is that people have faith in our institutions. And the process, the goal of the process that we're going to go over through the next two or three months doesn't need to be about, in my mind, it shouldn't be about deciding a winner. That shouldn't be the primary goal. That should be the secondary. Like, that's what out, that's the outcome of the process. The goal of the process should be to restore faith in everybody's... So everybody has faith in the system. Because, for example, if... I don't know. Let's say, fuck, I don't even know the possibility of it. But we'll just speculate here. And something happens with Pennsylvania, Right. And they basically nullify all the votes in Pennsylvania. So I'm going to say something so ridiculous that's not possible, so I can't get criticized. But they nullify all the votes in Pennsylvania. And then flip Wisconsin because they throw a bunch of votes out. And then Trump takes, you know, ends up taking Arizona. And and Trump gets presidency, right? The left and the people that voted for Biden, because it's not even the left. The left isn't the only people that voted for Biden, are going to completely lose faith in the system. They're going to think that if you take it to the courts and you've got money and lawyers, you can you can win the presidency. But on this flip side right now, people on the right don't have any faith that uh, the system is fair, that it's not rigged. And it's not like there's been a great deal of 100% evidence of mal- malfeasance, but there's a lot of real no. questionable shit. There's a lot of shit that makes yeah, people the- go, well, that doesn't sound right. 
and the more right. and more that that builds, the more and, and the less communication there is, the more people fill in the voids with their own thoughts and conspiracy right. theories. And that's where conspiracy. I mean, I, I've had I don't know how many people I've had asked me, yo, do, did, did Trump really put watermarks on ballots? And I'm like, oh, fucking Christ, people, you're telling me that the same organization that everybody's been bitching about Trump or has been bitching about trying to take Trump down for the last four years, the deep state, the CIA, who's anti-Trump, all of a sudden, three months before an election, flip sides and want to help Trump out by putting watermarks on all the goddamn ballots? <laughs> Think for a second. But that's the world we live in now because they're so it's so not transparent that people are going to fill in the questions with their own stories. My biggest one was the, was the Sharpie thing. Well, yeah. Some people were the Trump voters were given sharpies and they didn't that's scan. that's actually how legit though, dude. Know? I've talked to a couple of people in Arizona that were that. Well, that how was... would you know if you if you're the guy handing out the sharpie who you're staring at? This is a Trump voter versus a non-Trump voter, like unless he's wearing a Trump shirt or something, like which I think is of, illegal. At the end of the day, you had ballot workers. Hand, it doesn't care matter if it's Trump or not. It could have been Biden's voted for full vote out, but at the end of the day, you got people in a state where sharpies are not allowed. Because some states, it doesn't matter. Some states, their ballots, the bleed through, it's fine. You can use whatever. But Arizona specifically, it does. And you've got people being given Sharpies by people that are working at the ballots. It's no different than not letting poll watchers yeah. in in Philly. But the or sending poll watchers wanted... home and then continuing to count after they're not there to watch you. Oh Nothing God, yeah. bad might have happened. It might have or... enough. But it gives this perception of, of, of dishonesty. Which then people fill in with stories, and well, yeah. But there's round my, to build on what you're saying, like I don't know the name. I have to go look it up. the The name of the up in upper, up west west side of Wisconsin. This this county came in at the last minute with exactly fifteen thousand three hundred votes. Perfect round, yeah. Not, yeah, perfectly round numbers, and you see that everywhere. Georgia, one thousand. There's, you know, there's super see, like, questionable. Is, yeah, I'm. There's like, questionable shit that's is, happened all over the place, man. And that's the thing. Is that question? This whole process is that questionable, or is it, or is it just the news people rounding up to the nearest hundred? But those are the things that are not being communicated, and in, in that spawns fucking this conspiratorial. And that's what I get at is this whole process that's going to shake out over the next couple of weeks doesn't need to be done to determine that Trump's a winner. From my perspective, that should, it, it needs to be to. If anything, it needs to prove that Biden won legitimately. That needs to be the goal. I saw I, I saw a meme that I kind of I kind of agreed with. It said American Idol could could uh, count 150 million votes in an hour. <laughs> you know why can't we get our shit together state by state? You know, American Idol doesn't have the protections to make sure those votes weren't cheated. So, I mean, I get what you're yeah, saying, I, but the yeah, process when you get we, into the fucking some... sausage making of voting and the whole process. It's actually a mess. And that's a big thing. Also, lack of communication. People just don't understand what it takes to get through a ba counting ballots. Sometimes yeah. shits, you can get through a lot of them real easy. but And that's the low-hanging fruit. But there's a lot of stuff that needs to be looked at. You know, questionable ballots that get set off to the side so they can be reviewed by everybody to make sure this is a legit ballot because it's got something right. funky on it. But right. there's been so many reports of shit. And it could be fake reports. It could be people just making stuff up. But I tend right. to not believe that when they sign a fucking affidavit, which means they go to jail if they fucking lie. That tends to put a little bit more weight behind their story. Correct. Correct. So we'll see. Then, I mean, there's nothing that anybody in the general public is going to be able to do to change it other than stop listening. To, don't let the media shovel fucking President-elect Biden down your throat. He's not President-elect yet. The media doesn't yeah. pick our fucking president. Yeah. None of the, I don't even think there's a single state that has certified their election yet. Fuck, they have this. They, they still haven't called Alaska. I don't understand how they haven't fucking why? called Alaska. Why? Yeah, why? I don't get it. Well, either. they've why only got still... like 60% of their vote in, dude. Like, how? How is that even possible? Because li I think literally that's the, the ballots are coming in from dog sleds from fucking igloos in the northern part of the state. I was going to say they get snowed in. Like, fuck. <laughs> Mush. Yeah. Really? They're still waiting. You have our Lord 2020 and we're mushing across the fucking Alaska plains <laughs> down the oil line. <laughs> So you will have to wait and see. It's uh, I mean, there's some stuff. No, I'm, I'm hearing these guys with bags. There's some stuff I'm hearing that's kind of scary. You know, things like the Trump 
reconciliation commission or whatever the fuck it was. Where they're basically going to, anybody who supported Trump, they're going to go in front of, they have to answer for why they supported Trump kind of thing. Oh, that's ill. Yeah, there's some scary, dude, there's some scary shit out there. I mean, even, even fucking Michelle Obama is saying some like, you know, even though these people are, I'd have to go pull up the fucking tweet, but it's, there's just some bad shit, dude. These, the, the people on the left in politics, I'm not talking like your general population. I'm talking about your politicians and your power brokers and your fucking political pundits and stuff. They, they think there's blood in the water right now. And they think they can, they've got some kind of big mandate where they can push the country completely to the left. And it's like, did you idiots see what happened at the house? I mean, nobody's given you a mandate to do anything. You, yeah. The media was just really good at convincing everybody to hate Trump. That's all that happened here. So don't try to convince right. yourselves that you have some kind of amazing mandate where you're going to be able to convince the people of the Green New Deal and give up our Second Amendment rights and, you know, let Can Twitter and Facebook fucking censor us two ways from Sunday. Yeah, no, people are going to flee those two companies. They're going to lose profits. And then, I don't know, Parler jumps to mind. Um, yeah, Parler's like, like the like, Twitter. You know, I forget what the fa- – there's a Facebook one. And then Rumble is like YouTube. Uh, there's a couple out there. You I can tell they're going to flee. Yeah. But you know, the, um, kind of like what you're saying where I, I, I don't know. I, I think people just want to talk shit, you know, Michelle Obama. I mean, when was the last time you saw a first lady who's not in office just come in and chime in about that, that wasn't chair. When was the last time you saw actually Trump's been in pretty good at making them do that because Laura Bush did it too, and oh yeah, now with Donald Trump and Hillary, yeah, yeah Trump, well, Trump's Hillary. Trump's pretty good at bringing the worst out in people. Ran against her, that doesn't count. She was a candidate, but I mean, I don't recall President Bush coming out talking smack during the Obama administration. No, not at all. In fact, I, don't... You, I think I'm pretty sure. President Bush and Michelle Obama are really, really good friends. Believe it or not. Maybe. I, I don't know. I just, I'm I just pretty sure they are. It. But like, but yeah, this is a completely different, different world, but no, no, no. Our Republic's stronger than that. That's not going to happen. You know, people are going to re- reject that idea. Yeah. You know, and when that happens, they're going to change their tune because at the end of the day, they, they want votes. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to push you. For, I mean, half the fucking Democrats have guns. How many How many liberals do we know that have a firearm? You know? A lot. I, I know quite a bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's my point. Like, even they want their Second Amendment rights, you know. Well, especially oh, after COVID and the riots. And 2A got a whole new boost after the whole fucking recent right? shit show. Yeah, he, that is something else, too, that he's talking about shutting things down. President-elect Biden, if you want to call him that. Well, we'll see. Is uh, talking about talking about shutting down. I think I think that's not going to go over well if he does. <laughs> you know, it won't be the BLM people. It'll be everyone going. No, we're going back. We're not going to shut down. Well, dude, so, I think uh, I think we wrap it up here. This is a pretty good talk. For I got to ask how many how many stars are on your flag behind you? Huh? How many stars are on your flag? There's 50 on there. It doesn't look that way coming through on my end. Because it's just it looks little, like the old a, school. It's a little low. They still look square. Yeah. Are you sure? Hundred percent, dude. They're in line. They're not. They're not offset. Oh shit! You know what? That might actually be an old flag. You might be right, dude. I think that's pre-Hawaii. Six I don't eight, know. I, so that's 40. Pre-Alaska and pre-Hawaii? I'm trying to do fucking math right now. I sound like an idiot. Six times four, Six times eight is... Uh, 48. Uh, no, six times eight. 48? So yeah, 48, it's pre-Alaska yeah. and pre-Hawaii. It my grandfather's flag. That's pretty cool, dude. Badass. You're right. You're like you're saying is how many stars are on that? I was like fifty. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're not offset. <laughs> you are correct. Cool beans, man. 
anyway, I had a good time today. This yeah, fun. this was good. I'm going to look forward to doing these once a week. This is going to be fun. Hopefully everybody well, else yeah. enjoys it. Otherwise, we'll, we'll like just be Saturday. talking to ourselves. But that's the same as it always goes anyway. So. I don't care if they don't. We'll put ourselves out there and someone's going to fight. So for those of those... For those that hung with us, uh, we appreciate you guys. I hope you liked it. Um, you know, the whole rigmarole, we're going to we're gonna get this up on all the podcasts so you can listen to it. It'll only be on YouTube for a little while. So with the rigmarole that uh, goes with YouTube, you know, smash that like button. Uh, subscribe to the channel to Absolutely. see when we post these and our daily content as well as leave comments because all three of those help out with the YouTube algorithm. Plus, they let us know what you guys like and don't like. Uh, so if there's some stuff you hated, some stuff you want to argue about, by all means, hit us up in the comments down below. We will respond to everything that deserves to be responded to. So with that, we'll sign off, and we'll see you next time we do this. See ya. Simplify.